Guardians in the Cosmos, an intergalactic custodians of human evolution. Elon Musk on Starship making life interplanetary. David Grush participates in the Soul Foundation Symposium. Colonel Carl Nell's Soul Foundation presents a roadmap for disclosure, the 60th anniversary of the JFK assassination, an investigative series on the Holloman Air Force Base landing of three tall grey aliens. David Grush is on the Joe Rogan show. The Lockheed Martin has UFO material that it wants to share but is being blocked. Chris Mellon writes an article on UAPs and his role in the shift in public perceptions. And there's been significant pushback against the UAP Disclosure Act for 2023 in the US Congress. You're listening to Exopolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala, your source for the uncensored truth regarding the human, extraterrestrial, global, and political agenda. Click the like button and subscribe to this channel. And now, here's Dr. Michael Sala. Welcome to ExoPolitics Today, the week in review for November 25. Just remember, if you want to go to the sources of the articles and videos that I discuss in this uh, week in review, then just go to my Twitter feed, twitter.com forward slash Michael Sala. So let's begin and let's take a look at some of the top stories that have occurred over the, the last week. So I want to begin with an article by Jason Wilde, who has a blog site. And I thought this was quite intriguing that uh, he presented a speculative exploration into the UFO phenomenon. And uh, he talks about uh, aliens or interdimensional beings that he gives them a, a number of references in terms of uh, interdimensional beings, guardians, custodians, and so forth. And uh, so it's it's quite a uh, interesting article to read. And but what I found interesting in reading this article was that this was a kind of speculative piece by someone that's very interested in the UFO phenomenon, in the extraterrestrial phenomenon. And if you replace some of the terms, the speculative terms that he introduces with some of the terms that have been introduced by contactees, there is a very close match, which I thought I found intriguing. So if you replace the guardians by cedars, then many of his speculations match what is known about ancient extraterrestrials, the Anunnaki, etc., seeing the earth before departing, while placing some of their scientists in stasis chambers and space arcs as humanity awakens for an ascension event. So, I mean, he doesn't literally talk about these topics, uh, but the similarities are something that I thought were, were quite intriguing. And it's a good article, uh, especially for people that maybe are new to this uh, phenomenon, that maybe you want to get them to start paying attention to this phenomenon, then this is a good way to have uh, people take a look at someone who gives some pretty informed speculation about what is going on. So I thought that was interesting. So well worth taking a look at. So here's a tweet by Elon Musk on November 19, uh, where there was a kind of 
partially successful testing of the two stages of the of Musk's Starship. Uh, both stages launched correctly, but uh, both stages apparently were, were lost at different points. But nevertheless, uh, this is a pattern now that people have that are familiar with SpaceX uh, know that it takes a few launches before they, they get all the parameters right. And once they do, then they're very successful. They've been very successful in um, launching rockets and being able to have um, the reusable parts land on Earth and the other parts uh, you know, behaving as expected. Well, now with Starship, all of this is reusable. That what That is what uh, Elon Musk is very excited about, and that's why he believes that this is going to make our world and turn it into an interplanetary or a multiplanetary society. And um, he has a roadmap for how to do that. And, and it's a very good roadmap, just using Starship. And, and, you know, hats off to Elon Musk, who just using conventional rocket propulsion systems has been able to come up with a, a Starship or a propulsion system, uh, landing uh, vehicles, reusable rockets that can truly convert our world into an interplanetary society that in the years ahead will just improve. Now, you know, so if you just exclude what we know has been secretly developed, you could just start off with this whole starship uh, phenomenon using kind of conventional uh, <laughs> rocket propulsion uh, technologies that go all the way back to the Second World War. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of incredible when you think about it. Like that kerosene that was used for the V1, V2 rockets and, and methane, that these kind of like uh, combustible uh, gases can be used for Starship or for the uh, Dragon propulsion systems that Elon Musk's uh, star, um, SpaceX uses. But yeah, uh, my point, what what Elon Musk isn't saying is that, and I, I don't, I do believe he's been briefed. I think he knows about this. I think he uh, is just adhering to his non-disclosure agreement. So I, I believe Elon Musk has been fully briefed on all of these advanced propulsion systems using reverse engineered technologies that have been recovered. That he's familiar with that. That he might not. Uh, be introduced to the technologies themselves, but he knows that we are already or suspects that we are already an interplanetary civilization. You know, I mean, from what I know, Elon Musk is a, an incredibly self-driven person. And I know he, he has a very hands-on approach to his projects. So at the moment, I mean, obviously Starship, SpaceX, uh, that's a, a very important focus for him. So how much he knows about these anti-gravity propulsion systems, exotic propulsion systems, uh, I, I, I suspect if he knew a lot about them, uh, he might not be as motivated. So this is why I think he's, he's he probably suspects something is going on. He's been read in to a certain extent. Uh, but I I think that until uh, he is fully read in, he will continue to produce these incredible tech 
technologies using conventional rocket systems. So, you know, so he, he may know or maybe he hasn't been fully briefed that we're already an interplanetary civilization and that the development of these exotic propulsion systems using anti-gravity torsion fields, uh, anti-matter, whatever exotic propulsion system that is viable, that is being used on these uh, different uh, craft that many contactees and secret space program whistleblowers have discussed that he probably is not fully briefed on that. Now, there's an extensive number of bases that have been built on the moon and other planets that are controlled by different human groups going back to the World War II era. So Starship is a little more than a means for transitioning some of these decades-old black projects into open source without the public realizing what has happened historically. So I think this is what's going on. That Starship is going to play this very important role in helping transition us from this kind of rocket propulsion uh, transportation system that we're all knowledgeable about to these exotic propulsion systems. That Starship is going to play a, a critical role in that. And, and Musk is a factor in all of that. So here we move to the next story, and this this is that a the Soul Foundation that is that is a think tank was that was created, I believe in Silicon Valley, California, and David Grush played a role in the creation of the Soul Foundation, and so it had its first symposium uh, on the two days or last weekend, November 17 and 18. And David Grush gave a presentation where he discussed uh, a number of things about the future. So this is a summary by one of the individuals. I think uh, the one actually attended the Soul Foundation. So kudos to him for actually going to the effort to, to attend and report back to us what was discussed. So David Grush's presentation, his comments verbatim. Okay, so let's go through a few of these. Imagine a future where we no longer need to speculate about our place in the cosmos. Well, <laughs> you know, that's always a good thing uh, that we want to be able to refer to evidence and reliable witness testimony of what's going on out there. Uh, the release of info on non-human intelligence or extraterrestrial life has the potential to unite humanity re regardless of the ontological shock that would ensure. I, I think uh, that would happen for a while, but then the old divisions will come back as people start to decide or nations. That's probably the, the bigger worry here is that nations begin to side with one particular ET group or organization than another. Uh, disclosure will involve releasing info in a controlled and planned manner. So that's the that's the sticking point for a lot of people, is that uh, the organizations like the Soul Foundation believe that a controlled disclosure process is, is warranted. And, and they're starting from the premise that, well, you know, this whole UFO phenomenon really began... In 2017, when 
the New York Times and Politico published these articles describing the uh, Navy sightings and recordings of UFOs in 2004 and also that um, that this that this is kind of like the beginning of the disclosure process and that now people have only had six years to get up to speed with what's going on and so there's going to be a controlled disclosure process now of course you know that overlooks the fact that for many of the people watching this disclosure i mean you know this the disclosure process didn't begin for you in 2017 uh for me it began in 2001 for many of you it maybe began uh, i know i work with dr robert wood and for him, the, the disclosure process began in the 1960s. So this goes back to the 60s and even the 50s, the 1950s. So um, yeah, talking about a controlled disclosure process for people who've been following and putting out information since the 1950s and 60s, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous, really. But for those that have just gotten involved in this since 2017, maybe it makes a lot of sense. Okay, so uh, my comment here in my Twitter feed is that uh yeah david grush is talking about the future he's talking about non-human intelligence ets and the need for the disclo controlled disclosure process so you know the real 800 pound gorilla in this kind of whole controlled disclosure narrative that the soul foundation and people involved with it want to push out is the extraterrestrial now the extraterrestrial is going to uh, going to turn around and say oh okay well the humans seem to be finally you know getting on board and they are starting to talk about this and they're educating one another and we can see they're taking steps and uh now is that going to be enough i mean these incremental baby steps that we have seen so far from these different organizations that have been created, whether we're talking about the Arrow Office, whether we're talking about the US Congre Congressional Hearings, uh, whether we're talking about NASA uh, delivering reports on UFO sightings. I, I think extraterrestrials monitoring things, uh, if and I believe they are communicating with the elites. That they were saying, you know, these are baby steps. Uh, they are way too... Um, they, enough that you need to really get your act together and and really move forward with serious disclosure here and not just kind of delay things another decade with a kind of a controlled disclosure narrative but more more on that very very soon so here's some uh one of the individuals that that participated in this disclosure uh, event at the soul foundation that was actually held Sorry, it was actually held at Stanford, I believe the Stanford Medical Center or Stanford uh, University uh, that uh, Dr. Uh, sorry, his name escapes me at the moment, uh, Gary Nolan. That's right, Dr. Gary Nolan. He was the organizer of this symposium for the Soul Foundation. So here's a summary by Carl Nell. Uh, uh, Colonel Colnell, who's actually one of the people that came out in support of David Grush uh, when his when his information broke earlier in this year uh, through an article in the debrief. The debrief that was an article by Ralph Blumenthal and Leslie Kane, and they cited two sources that supported 
David Grush as a legitimate whistleblower, and one of those sources was our Colonel Carl Nell. So uh, Carl Nell made some very interesting comments uh, in his presentation. Again, the summary by uh, the Wan, uh, talking about a hierarchy of beings. Very good. Uh, the Prime Directive. Well, that's for those that have been following the information from Elena Danan and the Galactic Federation of Worlds. Uh, you know that there is a prime directive, that this is something that has been uh, circulating for some time now. And there was this uh, this uh, witness or whistleblower or insider, really, from Israel, uh, General Haim Eshed, who talked about the Galactic Federation being... Uh, wanting to, uh, that the Galactic Federation was asked to reveal itself, but it said that humanity isn't yet ready technologically for the Galactic Federation to reveal itself. And so that's a clear example of how the Prime Directive operates, that uh, the Galactics will only reveal themselves when we have technolo technologically reached a certain level. Of course, in the Star Trek series, it was when Warp Drive was de was developed, Right now, it seems that uh, there is some similar kind of technological uh, stepping stones that need to be developed. Now, of course, the the really kind of interesting thing here is that uh, we, when we are talking about a prime directive being achieved, that while open source technologies uh, are kind of like uh, not that developed as, as far as space travel is concerned. We know that classified technologies are much more developed, but it, uh, it does seem as though the technologies that are available to the mainstream, to the 7 billion, or is it 8 billion now? <laughs> Losing track. I've just, uh, I remember it used to be 6 billion when I was uh, um, going through my early adult adulthood. Now it's like, I think it is 8, 8 billion people. Uh, wow. There's uh, a lot of people on planet Earth, so uh, that that um, this 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 prime directive uh, this is something that is being observed. Now, also the Schumer uh, UAP legislation is an example of some emergent phenomenon uh, that was discussed by one of the presenters, I believe. Uh, um, Dr. Pasulka. So, yeah, very worth, uh, very much worth going through the the notes, the summary of uh, Colonel Carl Nell at this symposium. Now, what is interesting about Colonel Carl Nell is that he apparently is in the running to become the replacement for Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, who is resigning as the Arrow Director, that's the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office Director in December, and he's going to be replaced, and his replacement will be announced soon. And uh, and because Kirkpatrick lost confidence uh, of the kind of UFO community, people felt that he, he was too much of a gatekeeper, I think they're going to go for someone who's not going to be some, so much of a great gatekeeper, even though I think that that does... That is part of the job requirement. There will be some gatekeeping involved, but maybe just be more forthcoming on what's really going on. 
So here is a roadmap for a disclosure campaign that was presented by Carl Nell. Now, uh, he presents different phases and uh, first phase, uh, you know, 2024, uh, he, he dis, uh, de demonstrates the existence of UAPs, uh, another phase, uh, 2025, phase two, uh, correlates signatures, uh, phase three, uh, October 2030, uh, character, characteristic performance, and it goes on and on. So there's a, 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 a spreadsheet here that presents a controlled disclosure and this envisages that disclosure will happen uh, roughly in a decade. So here it has uh, October 2034, and that, that is marked in this sheet as after disclosure. So what this spreadsheet or what this roadmap tells us is that uh, it will take us about 10 years to get to the point where there is kind of full disclosure of what is going on as far as the UFO phenomenon and extraterrestrial visitation is concerned. So it's a very interesting flow chart. I mean, I didn't watch Carl Nell's presentation, so I, I don't think I have done justice to the nuances in this. But I think it's fair to say that he envisages a, a controlled disclosure process for 10 years. And that's done to avert a catastrophic disclosure. Now, what would a catastrophic disclosure be? I think in the minds of many people that are interested in UFO disclosure, it would be something along the lines of uh, extraterrestrial motherships or space arcs suddenly appearing over major cities. Uh, now, the, the, now, the problem is that the extraterrestrials long ago announced their presence and governments did nothing to prepare humanity. Now, do we need to wait another decade? So this is the point. I mean, we can go back to the 1950s and uh, during that era of the contactees, whether we're talking about George Adamski, uh, George Van Tassel, Howard Menger, Orfeo Angelucci, many different credible witnesses, contactees that had contact, that even took photos and there were independent witness testimony saying that, yes, we saw the, the craft and there were photographs. George Adamski uh, probably has produced the most high-quality photographs of UFO motherships and scout crafts ever recorded, and that was done in the 1950s. So what happened? Well, we know George Adamski was discredited. Uh, official agencies like the FBI took a lead, took the lead in discrediting Adamski and many of the others. So extraterrestrials announced themselves back in the 1950s, uh, and of course they were that was ignored, or that that information was um, kind of studied in these classified special access programs. So now uh, here we are, 2023, 70 years later. Now it seems that the governments want to reveal to humanity the truth about the extraterrestrial presence, but they're saying, well, we need a decade to do it. <laughs> right. After 70 years of ignoring the phenomenon and doing nothing to prepare the general public, now they need 10 years to prepare. Well, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but that seems to me to be kind of like, you know, uh, 
I mean, really ridiculous that they need that much more time. I mean, it really is time. We've been prepared thoroughly through contactees, witnesses, movies, uh, leaked documents for this phenomenon. I don't think it's going to need a decade to, to reveal the truth about extraterrestrials. People are ready for this. The only ones that aren't ready are the government uh, who or the corporate corporations that stand to lose um, a lot of financial assets or resources through a rapid or accelerated disclosure where we're told right up up front that, yeah, extraterrestrials are here. They've been visiting us since at least the 1950s, 40s. Um, they use exotic propulsion systems. Uh, they have uh, uh, new energy systems. They have new pharmaceutical. Sorry, they have uh, uh, exotic healing systems using electromagnetics, using holographic healing and so forth. So that obviously that would lead to uh, the fossil fuel industry and the and the pharmaceutical industry kind of like evaporating overnight. So if you're talking about why, why the need for another 10 years to reveal extraterrestrial disclosure, it's not because they need 10 years to get humanity ready. They, they need 10 years for the pharmaceutical industry and the fossil fuel industry to kind of like um, prepare for for what's going to really kind of like uh, eviscerate their their bottom line. Okay, so here's something that was uh, I found fascinating. It's a very detailed two-part investigative series about the alleged film of an alien spacecraft landing at Holloman Air Force Base where three tall grey aliens emerged. So let, let me first... Um, take you to the article. So here it is. Uh, this is the investigative series. It is put together by Julie Arno Marinkovic. I believe he's a Croatian UFO researcher. And it, and it is incredibly detailed. I think it's a 20,000-page uh, part one. I mean, really well, de uh, well uh, presented. Lots of information in there for you uh, to discuss what uh, information about the Holloman Air Force Base landing. So uh, here uh, you have uh, Presidents Ford and President uh, George Bush uh, playing critical roles, and they were members or members of the Association of Former Intelligence Officers that, that they are cited for this uh, very well-detailed investigative, investigative article by uh, Giuliano Marinkovic. Okay, so this is where I get to look at some of the dates that are given in there. Now, there's three possible dates where the Holloman Air Force Base landings occurred. One is May of 1971, and another one is April 1964. So Marinkovic, he focuses on those two dates as the most credible, and the April 1964, he, he gives special attention to that. Now, he does mention another possible date in the 1950s. Uh, I think he talked about the kind of like early 1950s, 52, 53, where uh, President Eisenhower was involved. So well, that, that would be 53, 54, because uh, Eisenhower became president in January 20, 1953. So he 
examines multiple sources and the overall conclusion is that the incident really happened and the film is real. So we have we have an incident where UFOs landed at Holloman, film was taken and that film is real and it involves three tall grey aliens. Now, yeah, this is where I take exception to uh, uh, Marinkovic's analysis because he treats the 1950s incident involving President Eisenhower as likely disinformation. Now, this is where there actually is a lot of evidence, uh, whistleblower e evidence um, and also um, circumstantial evidence that Art Campbell and I um, played a role in. We interviewed some primary witnesses that were there when President Eisenhower went to Holloman Air Force Base in uh, 1955, in February 1955, and he met with a delegation of extraterrestrials. Now, it's pretty certain that film was made of the landing. So the question is, is the is the famous Holloman Air Force Bay landing film that Marinkovic investigated about the 1955 incident, or is it a follow-up landing that involved that occurred in 1964 that involved the base commander landing? So it's quite possible that this film that uh, Marinkovic discusses was of a 1964 landing, but we shouldn't exclude the fact that there was an earlier landing in 1955 where President Eisenhower was involved. And there's probably, or very likely, a film of that as well. So could there be two films? Could it be the one film of the, of the one incident in 1955 or two films of, say, the 1955 incident and another one from the 1964, which was released? Um, and, and I think clearly... Uh, a film of President Eisenhower meeting with extraterrestrials, uh, that would be something that would be uh, much more highly classified than a film of extraterrestrials meeting with a base, the base commander at Holloman um, in 1964 or possibly 1971. Okay, so here is a, a clip. Uh, Joe Rogan did an interview with uh, David Grush. Excuse me as I just take a drink here. So Joe Rogan did an interview with David Grush, and Grush shared his professional background, and, and it is very interesting for those still trying to work out whether Grush is the real deal or not. I mean, to me, he is um, very highly credentialed, uh, but the important point is that he is not the first. There were others before him. I think uh, Lieutenant Colonel Philip Corso was also a very highly credentialed in, uh, individual that came forward in 1997. So, uh, and there are others as well, uh, even prior to Corso. Uh, Clifford Stone is is another uh, highly credentialed individual, as is uh, Command Sergeant Major Robert Dean. So, but the point is, David Grush is the real deal, and uh, he is very knowledgeable about the phenomenon. So in this clip, he discusses the importance of the House of Representatives passing the UAP Disclosure Act for 2023. 
Um, it's a very short clip. Now, I recommend if you haven't seen it, you can just go and watch it. It just goes for three and a half minutes. Uh, I won't be playing it here. Um, the, you know, there's some reasons for why I can't do that, but also copyright reasons. But David Grush, he speaks about why it is important that the UAP Disclosure Act is passed in Congress because there is pushback. And I will be talking about that uh, shortly. So let's go to, to this story. Okay. All right. Now here's another segment from the interview that David Grush did with Joe Rogan. And he confirms that Lockheed Martin has UFO material and that it wanted to share that with this um, uh, organization, OSAP, that was the predecessor predecessor of the ATIP organization, that's the all the, uh, that's the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program that Lou Elizondo headed for five years. Uh, and that, but the funding uh, from Congress actually went to this OSAP uh, that was the kind of like the um, the rubric uh, the, or the program that was being conducted uh, with um, Robert Bigelow's uh, Bigelow Space or, or, or Bigelow, Robert Bigelow was administering the funds uh, for OSAP and that was organised by Senator Harry Reid. So uh, Lockheed Martin had UFO material and so I, I think it's fair to say yes, uh, Lockheed Martin back in the early 2000s had UFO material that it wanted to share but it was blocked. Now, this is where we get a little bit of interesting history uh, that actually the Lockheed Martin first got its hands on some UFO material as far back as um, June of 1943 or even earlier as a result of the LA UFO incident in February of 1942 that according to Bill Tompkins, that that led to the creation of independent think tanks. There was a think tank that was created uh, at Lockheed Martin, and that became uh, Skunk Works in 1943. And there was also a think tank called Advanced Design that was created at, at the Douglas Aircraft Company. And that think tank, Advanced Design, only... Um, Later in 1940, uh, later in the 1940s, that that split off into the Rand Corporation, and Douglas continued to uh, maintain its own advanced think tank that it would work with the Navy, but that the split off from Douglas, uh, that is the Rand Project or the Rand Corporation, that that went that worked with the U.S. Air Force. So that was the kind of split. Uh, from this this think tank in the 1940s that became the launching pad for the, for the Rand Corporation or or the Rand project was the was the predecessor to the Rand Corporation and the Rand project was underneath the um, under Douglas Aircraft Company. So around that same period, material was being studied by these different corporations. Uh, the the uh, Douglas Douglas's advanced design, uh, the Skunk Works 
uh, at Lockheed and also the RAND project or and and the uh, RAND Corporation. So yeah, so the UFO material has been studied going all the way back to the 1940s. So on November 22nd, uh, that that marked the 60th anniversary of the JFK assassination. So what I did was I released on my YouTube channel uh, in two parts a webinar I did from November 2020 where I presented all of the evidence that I have on, on the link between uh, JFK UFOs and the CIA. So it's a, it's a close to a four-hour presentation. So there's a lot of material in there. But I, th I think I lay a, a really good case for JFK um, actually being involved or being uh, eliminated because of his interest in the UFO phenomenon. So, so that is a two-part series you can watch um, on my YouTube channel. And one of the things that I think it's worth emphasizing is that the CIA was designated as the custodian of the classified UFO files, that a decision was made uh, by the Majestic 12 group that was set up to oversee the UFO phenomenon uh, by under Presidents Truman and Eisenhower, that the Majestic 12 group was set up to oversee this, that the Majestic 12 group designated the CIA as the custodian of the of the classified UFO files. So the unclassified UFO reports went to Project Blue Book. Um, and the they were released and, and they were unclassified because they had no national security implications. The ones that were classified, uh, the Air Force took control of those files, analyzed them, did what they needed to do, shared those files with the CIA, and the CIA would be the would, would hold the records. They would be in charge of the archives. And and I think this was done deliberately by the Majestic 12 group because they knew that the president uh, had great authority as commander-in-chief over the military. And so the commander-in-chief or the president could order the military to hand over any classified documents it had and it would comply. But if you put those same classified files in the hands of the CIA, uh, the CIA would tell that president, F you. <laughs> and, uh, and that's what happened. I mean, literally, that is what happened. Um, uh, President Kennedy asked the director of Central Intelligence, Alan Dulles, in mid-1961, I want you to share with me all classified files you have concerning the UFO phenomenon, um, uh, and which were uh, the... He, that that at the time the the code word for that was psychological warfare operations, uh, but that's that's how they kind of hid uh, CIA. Uh, the CIA hid its files, and Dulles said, you know, gave the middle finger to Kennedy, um, and that set set in train a sequence of process or sequence of events that culminated in his assassination. So that's what I discuss in this video, and. Uh, 
it's all there for you to watch. And 60 years and, and still the truth um, has been kept on the CIA uh, role in uh, Kennedy's uh, assassination. Okay, so here is a link to an article by Christopher Mellon, who was a, a kind of middle-ranking bureaucrat within the Department of Defense. Uh, I think he was the assistant. Uh, uh, I'm not sure how he's, I think it was Deputy uh, Undersecretary for uh, Defense and Intelligence in the Pentagon. And he played uh, a kind of significant role in this uh, UFO phenomenon uh, during the time. And and this is something I have to kind of confirm, but apparently he was on the committee uh, for, he was on this committee called the Special Access Program Oversight Committee, and he was one of the people on that committee as far as I'm aware. And if he was, then I suspect he probably first learned about UFOs in that committee. But it, because it's a oversight committee for special access programs, I don't think it's something he can disclose. He can just talk about what is in the open source literature and act as though you know that's the foundation for his interest and expertise on UFOs. I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, that's, you know, that's the way uh, officials who have been introduced or come across UFO extraterrestrial information as part of classified programs, they can't talk about this. Um, many individuals who uh, have, have been briefed or part of special access programs, they will not refer to those uh, because it could get them into great trouble, but still they will share open source literature and and quote that extensively. I mean, uh, the astronaut uh, Edgar Mitchell was famous for doing that. I mean, he, he. I don't think he publicly ever disclosed anything about his own direct personal experiences with extraterrestrials. He only ever talked about what others had told him. So Chris Mellon's uh, article, he uh, explains how he helped introduce new elements into the congressional agenda, uh, such as UFO crash retrieval artifacts. And so he played a role in having both uh, Dr. Eric Davis uh, who has was played a role with uh, Dr. Mitchell and with this Navy Admiral, uh, Admiral Thomas Wilson, who was given a briefing, an informal briefing by Edgar Mitchell and Stephen Greer about a classified crash retrieval program involving UFOs. And when Admiral Wilson tried to learn about this, he was denied access. And so then in 2002, after Admiral Wilson retired as a vice admiral and former director of the Defence Intelligence Agency, <laughs> quite a senior position. I mean, you're head of the Defence Intelligence Agency and, and you're denied access by a corporation to a reverse engineering program. I mean, that's quite something. So, uh, so this is where you have Christopher Mellon playing a role in introducing Dr. Davis and, and David Grush to uh, congressional hearings where staffers from the defense and intelligence committees from the Senate and the House met and heard Eric Davis and heard David Grush talk about these crashed UFO uh, programs or retrieval programs. And this is where... 
Christopher Mellon also talks about the difficulty in informing the public of extraterrestrial visitation when their motivations are not clearly known. Okay, that's that's very interesting. Uh, I disagree with that. I think the motivations of extraterrestrials are known. Some are incredibly friendly and benevolent and want to help us evolve. Some are very aggressive and hostile and want to kind of keep us as a kind of huge sheep farm that they can just pluck pluck us out for whatever needs they have. So uh, now the, the problem that I have with Christopher Mullen's article is that the extraterrestrial origins of UFOs have long been known to those in the loop. But the general public's being kept in the in the in the dark, uh, and I think it's because yeah, I mean they the the military don't want the public to know that yeah, you know, some of these extraterrestrials are incredibly friendly and um, and they want to work with us, but you know they don't they don't want us to develop advanced technologies uh, such as uh, nuclear weapons, and so we don't want that. We want to develop nuclear weapons. Thermonuclear we- weapons are good. For us, anyway. So that's what that that was the thinking of the Department of Defense officials that said no to these positive extraterrestrials, but they wanted to work with um, the other extraterrestrials that weren't as concerned about the development of thermonuclear weapons. And but these extraterrestrials are much more enigmatic, and some of the some of them are aggressive and hostile. So. Yeah, so in my mind, of course, it's time to end the secrecy and allow the brightest minds from the general public to find answers to genuine national security threats posed by extraterrestrial visitation rather than contrived threats by those with a hidden agenda. So I think this is uh, where I think there is fair criticism of Christopher Mullen by his cousin John Warner IV and the guys like um, dark journalists, uh, Daniel Liston and others, and um, uh, Dr. Joseph Farrell, that they say that uh, what Mellon and Lou Elizondo are putting out is a kind of like a this UFO threat narrative, and they really whipping the public up in terms of a heightened fear of UFOs as this unknown threat that we need to prepare for and and that can be spun in any in any way the controllers want to take advantage of of us and in and as i said the truth is that yeah i mean some of these ufos are hostile but why why would we get too perturbed with them if there are friendly extraterrestrials that say well if we work with them you know they'll keep the hostiles in check and that is apparently what has been happening uh, as you uh, as i'm sure those that, that have been following this information for some time, know that I'm working very closely uh, with a, uh, a a currently serving U.S. Army insider, JP. Also worked with uh, contactees such as Elena Denan and um, and also Jean-Charles Moyen, Alex Collier, and a few others that all confirm that the positive extraterrestrials are working with us, and they will keep the negatives in check if we ask for it. That's all we need to do. No need to work with these enigmatic greys or these hostile, untrustworthy reptilians when the positives are there. So, uh, so I, I think that there is an agenda being spun. But nevertheless, I, I think uh, Chris Mellon might qualify as a grey hat. You know, that is someone that is neither a white hat or a black hat that is 
trying to straddle the middle and wants to survive. And and I understand uh, there is a kind of a survival element here. So uh, for those that are interested in reading this article by Christopher Mullen, here it is, Disclosure and National Security. Should the US government reveal what it knows about UAP? So that's by Christopher Mullen, published November 22nd. <laughs> Interesting date, the 60th anniversary of the JFK assassination. Is that coincidence? I do not believe so. Because as I said, JFK wanted the public to reveal the truth. So is Christopher Mellon signaling or acknowledging that uh, JFK's assassination was did have something to do with this UFO cover-up? Very interesting synchronicity there. Okay, so here we get to something that's very disturbing. Now, there is pushback against the uh, UAP Disclosure Act for 2023. So it was passed by the US Senate unanimously on, on a voice vote and incorporated into the National Defense Authorization Act for 2024. And it was assumed that because it was passed with both with both Democrats and Republicans supporting it in the Senate, that it would be a shoo-in in the House of Representatives. But the House of Representatives has been, uh, we've been witnessing some pushback, and that pushback apparently has grown to the extent that now the Republican leaders of the House in Intelligence Committee and the House Armed Services Committee, that is uh, Representatives Mike Rogers and Mike Turner are against the UFO, the UAP Disclosure Act, and that and that uh, uh, Mitch McConnell of the Senate and the new Speaker of the House Mike Johnson are uh, that they are trying to remove or block the Schumer Amendment, that's the UAP Disclosure Act, from coming forward. So that is telling us that there is pushback. Now, why is there this pushback? So there's now a very real possibility that in the uh, the reconciliation uh, committee that involves the leaderships of both houses from the defense intelligence, uh, for, from the armed services committee and uh the, the leaders of the of both houses, that when they meet to reconcile the two versions, the Senate version and the House version of the National Defense Authorization Act, that they will either drop or significantly water down this UAP uh, Disclosure Act, what's also known as the Schumer Amendment. So this is a real possibility of, of happening. Now, why will that happen? Now, I can guess that maybe the initial idea was you you put this out, you dangle this carrot out to the general public, you whip up uh, public interest, which has happened. You whip up public interest. People are really concerned with uh, UFOs now because, well, Congress is going to pass legislation. And so people get very interested. Uh, they start to study it. They they start to look at this phenomenon. Uh, universities, for the first time, start saying that, that we need to look at this. And uh, scientific organizations uh, start doing it. I think the National Science Foundation is now saying it's important to look, to look at this 
Scientific American is also putting out information. This is because of some, or this is directly a result of this UAP Disclosure Act being proposed and being passed by the Senate. Now that dangle, that carrot was dangled, now it's being pulled away. So what, what's left? Well, you, you leave a confused public. Now, why? who would want the public to be confused? This is where the deep state comes in. They don't want a well-informed citizenry making good choices or informed choices that pressures a Congress to pass legislation to deal with this informed with this phenomenon. What they want is a public that is in, that is confused, that doesn't know what is going on, and that the only ones in the know are people that are read in in, in these intelligence and armed services committees in the in the Congress. And we know that even other committees, such, such as the House Oversight Committee, is not is not in the loop. That they struggle to get access to a skiff facility to hear people like David Grush disclose this and they're given the runaround. So I think that this is setting the scene for, for some skullduggery here and I think the skullduggery is a possible false flag alien invasion. I think that this is something that could still be played and, and this kind of fits into that agenda. If, if you want to pull off a false flag alien invasion, you want the public to be informed that UAPs are real that they're a national security threat, but they, but the public is confused as hell. People don't know what the f is going on here. You know, you you get this, uh, the Senate passing legislation saying UAP, UAPs are real; they need to be investigated, and then the House drops it, and we have nothing. And I, I think that confusion is what is very useful for the deep state to move forward with its. Uh, false flag alien event. So this is where, if you want to do a deep dive, then I recommend that you register for my exopolitical state of the planet webinar, where I go do the deep dive into all of these issues. This is going to be something I discuss. This webinar is going to be today, that is Saturday, November 25 at 2 p.m. East Coast time, 11 a.m. Pacific time. So if you listen to this uh, week in review, soon after it's come out, there is time for you to register. And for those that of you that have registered, thank you for registering. That does help me uh, do this uh, research and put out all of this information for free to the general public. So, yeah, this is, I think we are in entering into a really fascinating period of time as 2023 closes out and 2024 begins, I think we are looking at some incredible things to, to happen as far as uh, the events that are taking place in Ukraine, the events that are taking place in Gaza, how these are tied into a, a, an effort to manufacture a third world war. The UFO issue is a critical part of this. And so if you want to learn more about it, get all the details, then register the exopolitical state of the planet. I plan to do one of these at the end of every year, uh, as long as I choose to remain on planet Earth. So we'll see how that how that goes. So again, if you want to uh, find the sources for all this information, then just go to 
twitter.com forward slash Michael Sala. You get all the sources. Thank you for listening to the ExoPolitics Week in Review for November 25. And I look forward to seeing you, if not at my webinar, then seeing you next week for the first December presentation of the Week in Review. Thank you and aloha. You have been listening to ExoPolitics today with Dr. Michael Sala. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to this channel. Join or start a conversation in the comments. Take the time to explore the vast library of best-selling books, webinars, and podcasts by Dr. Sala. Visit exopoliticstoday.com. Thank you.